0: hello and welcome to another top advisor marketing podcast in March we did a women's panel that was very very well attended and also we got some great rave reviews for the guests on the panel dana wilson was one of the guests on the panel who got unbelievable reviews and i need to just tell you a little bit about her before we dive in and i introduce her and welcome her to the show so she's the founder and ceo of chip which is changing how individuals prosper now this is a b2b Financial services marketplace that makes it easy to find Black and Latinx financial professionals, which is a wildly underserved market. Now, she was a financial services professional for quite a long time. So she's walked the walk and talked the talk. But, Dana, as we open up the show, first off, welcome and and thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I got a lot to live up to on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling you're going to rise to the occasion with no problem. Tell me a little bit about why uh, you stopped being an advisor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think just at certain points um, in life, you kind of have those inflection moments where you start getting pulled in different directions. And there were so many times where I tried to leave the industry and I just kept getting pulled back in and I <laughs> somewhat just let go of leaving the industry, but just kind of going in a diff- different direction. So for me, the passion uh, for just continuing to grow my own practice and work with uh, people in that way was just kind of dimming. And I wasn't really you know, passionate about continuing to grow my practice. And I found myself really being pulled in a direction around focusing more on inclusion. I knew that I also love to marry that with technology. I've always kind of been that entrepreneur and creator at heart. So I was like, let me just see where this is taking me. And that is really just kind of me following my own instincts, which I've done time and time again. So it was like the first leap into independent as an advisor. And now we're leaping again into uh, the fintech space. So nice. always good. <laughs> always get to lean in and listen (laughs) how did you
0: even get here i I mean we have such a huge diversity issue we have a major inclusion issue in our industry and we also have an opportunity issue i mean as as a as a black woman going into financial services that's just flat out rare so tell us about that whole journey if you don't mind
1: Oh, yeah, it was definitely uh, accidental, uh, which really also shouldn't be the case, right? It's not an industry or not not even an industry, but it's really on this side of industry from an advisory perspective is not one that's really talked about in a lot of different communities. The fact that you can have a really successful career, you know, with your title being a financial advisor or being a wealth planner or with all these different designations that come from that, it's not a career path that's really talked about and elevated as much as, you know, investment banking and corporate finance. You'll find, you know, there's still definitely need for increasing on those as you know in those sectors as well, but they're talked about a lot more. They're talked about in MBA programs, they're talked about at the collegiate level. So that's what you hear when you think about financial advisor. And you didn't, you didn't hear that as much. You hear a little bit of it, you know, more now than before. It's slightly getting better, but still, you know something that for myself, I just kind of fell into by happenstance. So I graduated school with a degree in marketing and knew that's where I was going to put all of my focus. I love that creative side of things and and building and pulling things together and looking at things out of a different lens, but ended up getting a job, you know, two weeks after I graduated, started working in banking. And from there, you know, I was like, hey, I'll take this job until, and until was 15 years later. (laughs) So that's kind of, you know, what happened there. And I just fell in love with all the different aspects of learning about money. But again, it was still in the banking arena, insurance. And then I started to really get curious about what are these other individuals doing on this side of the industry? What is the financial advisor doing? These were new career paths that were being introduced to me, but because I was in the bank. So it's like I got to see everything in banking. And I was like, well, this is great. I've learned really as much as I want to learn here and don't want to go further. Well, what's next? Uh, and for me the curiosity led me to just start reading on my own and going on to Amazon when Amazon only sold books people forget <laughs> right I remember that uh, yeah yeah so you know dating ourselves but You know, I went on there, just did a lot of reading, and then that curiosity had me to start, you know, pursuing and really studying uh, the industry and understanding and making the move to start to pursue that career. But to your point, you know, there's not a lot of uh, Black and Brown individuals on this side of the industry, even, you know, this was really over 10 years ago. And even prior to that, you know, my short stint in the industry, you know, I can imagine the 60s and the 70s where you were probably literally they only one in an entire company, right? So, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. And the fact that we really haven't pushed the needle too, too far out from there.
0: I remember my first conference when I got into financial services. And uh, I remember being on the stage and looking out into the audience and seeing one person of color out of like 400 advisors so you i might be putting a lot of responsibility on you to help me understand this but Mm -hmm. what is going on why is there such systemic racism for that's what it is Mm -hmm. stopping Really stopping—it's not even opening the door; it's closing the door and keeping it shut to to people of color and women uh, getting in our industry. What? What? Why do you think that is?
1: Oh, goodness gracious! Yeah, that's a (laughs) whole—it's a whole dissertation of 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 stuff. And you know, I think it really starts with the industry acknowledging—you know—what's going on. Uh, You know, outside of getting to the point where we all watched, you know, George Floyd be murdered on TV and finally having other people acknowledge that Black lives do matter um, and, you know, Black and brown lives are important and and kind of going through this this feel of things, of all the things that we have faced for hundreds of of years and been telling people things have been going on, but to have it front and center. And then companies kind of coming out and wanting to have somewhat small discussions, really trying to figure out what to say. Uh, But I really think it kind of goes back to acknowledging, right, acknowledging what has happened, acknowledging the systemic racism, acknowledging the problems that just not the industry face, but you face as a company. And you also have to look at self, too, right? Because there's a lot of people in these executive leadership roles that have not necessarily done the best job of making the place inclusive for Black and brown people to feel like, hey, this is somewhere that I can be successful. And it's really representative of those around me. So, you know, how do you do all those things if you're not really accepting? what's going on, right? It's like, if you want to start planning for something new, you have to admit where you are so that you can move forward and then put real plans in place to do so. So there's been a lot of talks around, you know, funding different entrepreneurship ventures and and doing all these different things within the Black and Brown community. But how are we really doing that within the industry and where are the plans to put those in place? So it's about kind of breaking down those barriers so you feel included in these different areas. Because when... When you're hiring, you know the first thing we look at is you know let's get a DNI person in here to figure out our diversity issue right And then from there we go straight into recruiting and you can recruit as much as you want to and that's really easy. But the thing you forget about is the the inclusion part, the retention, right? What are you doing for people who are already there and for those that you are recruiting in, what's the plan as they continue to mature throughout their careers because they're going to see that when they get to a certain point, their career stops. Right. And I look around the room and there's maybe one or two, maybe three of me. And I start to see that over and over and over again, the longer that I'm here. And then I look up even further and I'm like, well, there's barely anyone in middle management. There's barely there's no one in the C-suite. So I need to either, you know, either I'm going to accept that and and try to to break the barriers myself and, and get in there or I'm just going to leave. And I think, you know, we have to be able to acknowledge and then put people in in places that are at the C-suite level, that are at this executive level so that there are people at the table who can bring others in and start to break these barriers because you really do have to see people in higher places than you or see your peers there to even you know start the conversation. Uh, But there's so many instances in this industry where, you know, yeah, you go to conferences and they're talking about diversity inclusion, but there's no person of color on the stage, right? So you're talking from a point in experiences that you haven't experienced or don't, don't acknowledge and aren't really ready to have the real hard conversation about it. So there's definitely so many responses to that question and so many things that need to be done for professionals of color to... To be invited to the table in a way that is actually reflective of where we should be.
0: It seems even a pipeline issue. I mean, you you go back oh, yeah. from the recruiting perspective. If you look at the participants in programs, um, I was talking to one of our clients who has uh, the majority of his clients are, are Latinx. So he, he's but by. It's actually he's trilingual, uh, but he's focuses specifically on on uh, Spanish speaking people here in the States. And he's like, Matt, I I can't keep up like and I can't find really anybody to help me because there hasn't been anybody who has the education level that I need coming up through the pipeline. And right now I just flat out don't have the time to literally train somebody from the ground up. How do we and how do you with what you are doing right now? how is is your efforts going to help change happen
1: sure it's it's really about bringing us to the forefront you know for so long as consumers of financial products and then also as individuals and professionals within this industry we've both been kind of ignored and unseen and and i think that we also have to come to the table knowing that we need to be represented on both sides. So you have to understand what's going on in the consumer's brain and and also bring them up, not just educationally, just bring them into the fold and look at them as wealth creators and wealth generators. There's still so much stigma and stereotypes around black and brown individuals who walk into banks who are not looked at as being that private wealth client or have or being able to invest in certain things. So we're not talking to them about it. We're not engaging. We're just kind of like, okay, well, this person isn't probably the person who's a client of mine or who can even be a client. So why waste my time having the conversation, not knowing that this person, you know, maybe just exited a company and have got, you know, a lot of money in the bank or, you know, you're making so many assumptions based on their skin tone or maybe what they're wearing or because they're not driving, you know, some sort of car They they didn't pull up in some sort of fashion. And even if they did, there's also some stereotypes that come with that, right? And on the professional side, it's about the visibility. We have to be seen. We need people to know that we exist because a lot of individuals don't know where to find us, don't know that we're even in their backyards. Or, you know, now the beauty of things is that people are realizing that, hey, I can work with a professional, a financial professional who I really like, who might be, you know, two states over or three states over, or even maybe across the country, if that really works for someone and they build a great relationship, but they can support them. And we have seen that work well through COVID where professionals are also being able to expand their businesses in their footprint across the world, right, where we before felt so limited in one particular state. So for us, it's about ensuring that these professionals are seen, their voices are heard, and, you know, allowing us to really tell our own stories of how we got into the industry you know, why we're here, the types of clients that we really want to help and ensure that we're looked at as experts, right? You know, half the battle is us not still being looked at as professionals and equal partners.
0: I had heard this when I was interviewing uh, a, a young woman in financial services, and she was talking about one of the things with diversity and inclusion is understanding that the long-term goals and wants of people of different creeds cultures really you know socioeconomic status upbringing all of that sort of stuff are really fundamentally different how do you help solve for that
1: yeah it's and it's super different right you know you have first generation Uh, You know, people who are coming to this country who, you know, need to send money back home. And then you sit down with an advisor who may not understand that or doesn't look like you and they're judging you and telling you to stop doing that. (laughs) And and they're not understanding that, hey, this is a part of my personal financial portfolio. And this is something that I not just only have to do, but I want to do for my family. And they're non-negotiables. And, you know, when you're able to sit down and and talk to someone who understands it and says, hey, you know, I went through that, too, or I'm doing that, too, for my family, the conversation changes, right? You don't feel like, hey, I have to come in here and show up and be someone else while I'm having this conversation and be scared to ask questions because I don't want this other person to look down on me. And that that comes from no matter what your socioeconomic background is, you could be making, you know, you know, modest salaries to six figures and seven figures, but we still walk into these rooms very hesitant about the person that we're going to talk to because we feel like we have to be extremely educated, especially when you're black and brown, um, especially when you're first generation, because you don't want these already existing stereotypes and judgments to be placed around you to the point where you don't really get what you need from these meetings and these conversations. Uh, so for us, it's about really letting people know that this is that safe, authentic space for you to be who you are and be who you are financially and no one is going to judge you. And there's plenty of professionals uh, who look like you who are working and who are doing the work who will help you no matter where you are. So whether you are consider yourself affluent or you're kind of getting to that point or you're just starting out, there is literally a financial professional for everyone. And we really do feel that way about CHIP. And, and we know this because we see this and we and we know each other. We just have to make sure that everyone else knows this as well.
0: Well, let's break that down a little bit more. So let's talk about CHIP, what it is, how it works. Let's, let's get a little bit deeper into that, please.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. So. When someone comes to our platform, mostly a consumer, they fill out a very quick questionnaire, standard questionnaire about their goals, where they're located, the type of person that they might want to work with from a pronoun perspective. And, you know, based on that information, we get them their best fit from a financial professional perspective. So our goal is to really help them build out their team. So if you're looking for someone who is in a traditional advisor role, a wealth planner, um, accountant, tax professional, we're now onboarding attorneys and we'll continue to onboard different complements within our platform for people to really start to build out these financial teams, which are so critical. And a lot of times we don't have all of these individuals at our disposal within our community. So we make it easier for them to Find these individuals, and then to begin working, we also help them set up their first uh, phone call or you know video meeting with them, and and we feel like that's important to at least set the stage to start the conversation and then to move from there.
0: If I am an advisor and I want to be involved in this, or if I'm an accountant, or if I'm an estate planning attorney, an attorney, a mergers and acquisitions person, I mean there the the uh, the plethora of people who could be involved in this. Um, what, what do I need to do? Like, how do you vet me to make sure I'm on the up and up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number one, please come to our website and, and apply. And then we kind of take the normal channels of really screening individuals. I mean, not everyone, unfortunately, is going to be able to be let on our platform because we do look at everyone's compliance and their background and where they've been registered and making sure that they have active practices and checking all of their designations. So we absolutely do all of those things. So if there's things that we find concerning or may just not be a good fit right now, um, you know, we look at that, and we we have a response for that, and let them know. But the majority of individuals who are coming onto our platform, you know, they're they're in good standing uh, everywhere, so they just need to fill that out, and from there, they're led on to our directory. We just also opened up our virtual community, so we're really excited to keep that growing to provide that safe space for professionals to also be able to network, know each other in this profession. Half the battle is us, even as Black and Brown individuals, not really knowing each other, you know. And how do we continue to build up those mechanisms to even help, uh, help us be sustainable in this industry, because half the battle is also who you know and how you're able to scale your practice. So we recognize that. And after my years in the industry on both sides of working with consumers and being a you know advisor, I really understand that. So we're also a champion for professionals having success uh, together, because we believe together You know, we will do more.
0: How are you getting the word out to Black and Brown communities?
1: Yes. So right now we've been pretty much word of mouth. So I think we've been, you know, doing pretty well (laughs) there so far, Uh, but our goal is really to turn that up a notch. So we're working with different uh, community-based organizations to really help them understand and, hey, know that we exist and, and CHIP is here. So we're doing a lot of that, a lot of partnerships. It will kind of turn up the heat a little bit more on our marketing uh, which is what public facing on different social media channels and outlets, and you know myself just continuing this conversation in different spaces and, and talking and letting people know that we exist and that they can sign up and be a part of our platform.
0: Sure. Now you talked about the the community within SideChip. So if, if I'm an advisor and I get through the process, what what can I expect from the other members in the community?
1: Yeah, I would say support, encouragement. I think a lot of times it's just the need to see other people in the room that look like you. So it's kind of like being on an ongoing conference circuit which is great where you never really see anyone but now you have all these other leaders in the room who might be starting out in the industry or have been in the industry for some years or some have been in 30 and 40 plus years and can really give you that guidance and experience especially as a person of color our experiences in this industry are a lot different than our than our colleagues and you know we have to be able to set each other up for success and I think that's how you do it is on community it's about sharing experiences whether that's practice management stuff or really just about life, you know, how did you do this thing or how did you handle this conflict when, you know, you were maybe thrust into this environment and you had to really prove yourself as a Black professional. There's so many things that we have to think about as professionals and also adding, you know, this, our skin color to it that people sometimes feel like isn't a big deal, but it, but it really is and it makes a difference when you can have those conversations and not feel judged or feel like you have to show up or have that safe space to even ask that question that's been on your mind for so long. So it's really about that community aspect of it, that learning, that growing, that development, and also just the different partnership relationships that we're bringing into the fold. We have a really big focus on technology and really ensuring that we're ingraining that into helping people be successful.
0: I love the idea of a safe space. I mean, that's one of the things that I've heard in a lot of communities who are trying to break into financial services because they haven't had a foothold for Obviously, more recent than we could ever really get to uh, entirely on the show, and I love the idea of having a safe space because it is it is okay uh, to not be okay. Number one, right? So it's okay to share that vulnerability. But do you find any sort of resistance from the members of your community? because they have had so much resistance for so long and they have not been living in safe spaces. How have you made it so that they feel reinforced that it is a safe space and it's an okay place to share?
1: I think just with myself being so open and, and authentic, and honestly, you know, we've all collectively shared the same experience in in some way or another, right? You know, my story is one of too many, to be honest. So we all kind of come in with that collective understanding of being tired of being the only and wanting to ensure that we're not anymore and wanting to ensure that we get into a place where Chip doesn't have to exist, right? In a perfect world, we wouldn't have to have this conversation. Chip wouldn't have to be a platform that has to be built, but unfortunately it does to ensure that we're amplifying everyone's voices that have been unseen for so long long. And I think now that, you know, we've been in silos for so long and in history has unfortu- unfortunately sort of dismantled parts of our culture to, to make us think that we are stronger individually when we know that historically we have always been stronger together. And now we're coming together, you know, very unapologetically and intentionally to ensure that we are building these bridges, not just for ourselves as professionals, but also externally for consumers to know that, hey, we, you know, we got, you too. You know, we're not just amplifying our own message as professionals and SHIP does not just run by itself. And my story is not, you know, the story that needs to always be told, but it's, our old, all of our collective stories that are coming together to really bridge this and understanding that, hey, together is better and we can all solve this problem between ship various other organizations who have also been around longer than us. You know, it's, it's, it's about collaborating. It's about this one mission to move forward and, and people really are on that one accord to do so.
0: There are large organizations of financial advisors, FPA, NAFA, NAPFA, I mean, there are acronyms out the Wazoo CFP board. How are you being received from larger, more established organizations that weren't as inclusive in the past?
1: I think we're being, you know, received well. Uh, you know, we we're trying to have conversations, and we have some conversations about partnership on the table, and I think that's really just where it starts. I mean, for us, we're not an organization; we're a, you know, fintech company or fins financial services technology company sort of a little different spin on what we're able to do and the you know our focus on really build building and bridging the gap through tech so for us it's about sitting at the same table and really wanting to share in this space and this mission with these organizations, you know, we're not a competitor, <laughs> you know, we don't look at it in, in that, in that vein and, and we don't want anyone else to look at it in that vein as well. We're here to sit on the same side because if it's not, you know, if it's only our voice at CHIP being loud, it's not loud enough, right? I, I we, we can't change the industry just with CHIP and just with the professionals who are a part of CHIP. It has to be all organizations. It has to be all companies. It has to be all of us really saying, you know, the, being the loudest in the room about why inclusion matters so it's not just us it's about forming these relationships these partnerships with these organizations so that we're driving the narrative forward so that there is change you know 10 15 years down the road or it doesn't even need to take that long right you know the goal is really tomorrow
0: right oh man yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. you you brought up something
0: or, or in the introduction when we were talking about black and brown people in Latinx do you have a Spanish component of this I mean we have. Uh, the people who, from a consumer standpoint, who are looking to chip to find uh, somebody who looks like them and who is like them, uh, there there is a language issue there. How are you solving for that?
1: Yeah, we haven't uh, dove it as deeply as I want to and as we plan to to really bridge out more of the, the language um, barrier, but that's definitely something that we want to work out. Um, as we start to move forward, because that is half the battle, right, is making sure that you find people who speak your same language, your same dialect, not just in the Latinx community, but from these Caribbean communities, African uh, communities, right, it's also lovely to find someone who's from your, you know, your hometown, so to speak, right, who speaks your language, who understands your entire culture, right, within the Black American community, there's so many different cultures within that, same thing uh, with the Latinx American community, there's so many different cultures and dialects within that and all of those are important and all of those need to be represented and we want to make sure that hey you know we allow our professionals on their profiles to say what languages they speak right so that people can understand and see that so we do have that within their profiles front and center and going forward you know we'll deepen the tech to enable a little bit a different experience with that as we push in a little bit more of these dialects and languages, but it's extremely important because that's, ha- you know, that's, that's also the problem in, a, in another barrier where things don't always, they don't always seem reflective, even in marketing material. Right. You know, that's, that's sent across to you. I mean, imagine, you know, never seeing a piece of marketing that is reflective of you and your culture and is representative of you, you automatically feel like, well, this product isn't for me because no one in this magazine looks anything like me. No one in this commercial looks like me this is not for me yeah
0: you keep using the word tech and i keep getting hung up on the non-tech aspect of this so i i'm i'm
1: (laughs) maybe there's just- so much the, 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 I think tech is just the easier mechanism to start to build but the whole premise around everything else that are the softer hits is really the the bigger focus right it's the collective it's the empowerment it's the supportive nature it's the importance of just being seen and technology is really just the driver of it you know unfortunately we we can't just send you know mail to people and say here's a brochure because they're more than likely not going to look at <laughs> all the individuals there uh but it's really just ensuring that the message is felt and that people feel seen is really what we're focused on.
0: Now, I came to this conversation with, you know, conscious bias, unconscious bias, a a substantial amount of ignorance. What should I have asked you? I mean, what what else do you, should you say in this environment where you have the ears of a lot of people? What should I have asked you, Dana?
1: I think... Not so much of a question, just more of a statement of uh, being, be kind, right? I think as humans, we have somehow forgotten how to be kind to one another, you know, and how to not you know, not only just push our own agendas and our own thoughts and the way that we were raised on others, but really take a step back and look at ourselves and then look at this other person's journey and really try to understand it. I mean, you're never going to be able to put yourself in their shoes if you don't necessarily have walked in them. It's really a hard thing to understand what it means to be a Black person in America, to be a Black man, to be a Black woman, if you've never actually been one. You can only empathize, but I think you also have to, you have to be empathetic and you have to be kind and remember that at the end of the day, we're, we're all humans. We all want the same things. We all want to be successful. We all want to be seen. we all want to be heard. We all want people to turn around and if we walk past them to say hi, right? It's like the very simple things when you're starting in organizations that make such a big difference of whether or not someone stays, someone leaves, someone feels validated, when you walk into a scenario and you know, you walk past a couple people and they act like they don't even see you, you know that does something to someone it tells them that they don't matter. It tells them that they will, you know, might never matter at this company. And it's one thing to have it from your peers, but then also probably executives when you're having these conversations and it's just kind of, you know, you're continuously getting glanced over and looked over for promotions or, or whatever the case is, or, you know, just being in a space where you can share authentically. You know, we have to be a little bit more empathetic in this environment and in just in general as humans.
0: I'm sure that there are people who are going to want to get in touch with you. So, what, what is the best way for people to engage with chip professionals specifically? What are some of the sites? We'll make sure they're in the show notes. Help us with that.
1: Absolutely. Uh, if you want to learn more about chip, please go to chipprofessionals.com. We're on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook as chip professionals. We're on Twitter at chip underscore pros. Couldn't get the whole thing, unfortunately, (laughs) on Twitter. And then, you know, feel free uh, to connect with me. I'm on Twitter as Dana Disrupts. I'm on Instagram as Dana Disrupts as well. And that's probably the best ways to connect. Also on LinkedIn, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Dana L. Wilson.
0: And you have a podcast.
1: I do have a podcast. Thank you. I almost forgot about that. It's like all the things that you do. (laughs) So yes, I have a podcast, uh, which I started last summer, which was kind of a passion project of mine. It was really meant to start to normalize the conversation around money, especially in communities of color. So I have people come on and talk who are friends of mine who are in my natural network, who are people of color, who are not in the financial industry, but just to talk about money, you know, and make that normal in our culture and something that we start to see ourselves as these wealth creators, as these wealth generators and it's called the included series podcast and you can find it uh, wherever you get your podcasts
0: and we'll make sure we have links to that too. Well, well, Dana, I want to thank you very much for your, what you're doing. I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for building all of this and and having a frank conversation with me today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I think you all are amazing at Proud mouth. I'm so happy to be back here.
0: So I want to just pause here and I want everybody If anything that was said today upset you at all, think about why, right? Just shut up and think about it, right? Go back through and think to yourself, you know, well, when you know when Dana said this, or when Matt said this, you know I, I I had a feeling. I don't care if it's anger, I don't care if it's support, I don't care if it's happiness or sadness. This should have elicited some emotional response from anybody, and if it did, you need to check that response. And I. If you want to talk to me about it, just talk to me on LinkedIn. That's fine. Uh, These are conversations I am very willing to have, understanding that I don't know myself from Adam and a lot of this stuff, but I know how I feel as, you know, the old white guy in the room, right? And looking at the fact that everybody in our industry just kind of looks like me. And how much we're missing everybody, how much wisdom, how much experience, how much perspective, how, how much we're missing because we have not been diverse, nor have we been inclusive. And I just want to leave you all with that. And of course, please make sure that you find, follow Dana, Dana L. Wilson on LinkedIn. Uh, go to chipprofessionals.com follow her everywhere she's very active on linkedin uh, that's where uh, her and i have connected and then the included series uh, which is the name of her podcast if you have not subscribed to the podcast please make sure you click the subscribe now button below and if you know somebody who happens to be uh, a person of color in financial services dear god please connect them uh, with with the chip professionals because we need as many people as we can to represent a humongous Portion of our society who is not being represented in our industry. So, for Dana and everybody at CHIP and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran, and I'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, Visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.